Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I don't. Some bad hat Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be reviewing Harley Quinn Season 1. Damask Leary, how are you doing this evening? Good. Once again, late to the party because I was watching The Masked Singer. How how was it tonight? Oh, it was wonderful. I mean, anytime... So there's a, a person who performs called Kitten and it's just a giant pink kitten um, who usually has big ridiculous props. And today tonight's performance, she had a giant wool ball, which was beautiful to see. Um, yeah, no, it was fun. I need to understand the format. So this kitten person, was they just performing today? Have they been performing consecutive weeks? They perform. Or? So there's two episodes per week. Mm-hmm. And originally it was you'd have like four performers one day and then another four another day. But it's always like the same people every week. But now they're down to like the final five, I think, or something like that. Yeah. And how are they whittling it down? Um, because obviously in the era of COVID, usually you'd have like a live studio audience to like vote in or whatever. I assume that's what they did last year, but they don't have a live studio audience. So the judges each get a vote and then Mm -hmm. they've got, um, like a group of people watching via Zoom and they vote. So they're like special audience members. So... It's all. It's not just a guessing competition about who the masked singer is. The masked singers are actually competing to see who can make it to the end. Yeah. So, because I thought it and was. So the shame s- is when you have to take your mask off and go. It was me the whole time. Yeah, it wasn't and every, good enough for. You. And it's a really great dramatic moment at the end of every episode where everyone screams, "Take it off! Take it off!" And it takes about five minutes for them to like dramatically take their mask off and it's it's wonderful. I've, I've heard that shouted many times on booze cruises. That's uh, mm. it's very familiar. Okay. You hanging out with a bunch of misogynists? Is that what's going on? Uh, I was once upon a time. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> been part of Weren't my we backstory. All? We'll say that Weren't much. we all? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I also want to mention, before we get into the episode proper, uh, last week we reviewed Upload Season 1. Uh, the suggestion of friend of the show, Paul Mitzi, Paul Mitzi, mm-hmm. host of the Swapcast podcast. I like to think uh, of him as a former friend now. <laughs> He he loved Upload Season 1. We did not. I highly mm-hmm. recommend checking out that episode. That was a fun one to do just to rip a show, show to shreds. But we asked Paul to send us a a defense of Upload on his position on mm-hmm. Upload Season 1. Um, so yeah. I'm not going to do it. It's a four-minute little bit of audio, and I do want to discuss it with you. We won't do that at the start of the podcast. We'll get into our review of Harley Quinn Season 1 now. But mm-hmm. after the end of the show, after we do our little outro bit, we will have an extra bit of audio 
That will include Paul's defense and then a d- discussion of ours around that as well. So look forward to that. Keep listening past uh, the end of the show. I'll remind you when we get there as well. But right now, let's get to our spoiler-free review of Harley Quinn Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Harley Quinn is an American adult animated television series based on the DC Comics character of the same name. Quinn was originally created by Paul Dini and Bruce Timm for Batman the Animated Series in the 90s as a new supervillain and romantic interest for the Joker, who has since become hugely popular in her own right, most notably played by Margot Robbie in the live-action DCEU movie Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, and the upcoming James Qu- James Gunn sorry, directed not-quite-a-sequel the Suicide Squad. The Harley Quinn series is written and executive produced by Justin Halpern, author of the original Shit My Dad Says Twitter account, Patrick Schumacher and Dean Laurie, and follows the misadventures of Quinn and her best friend slash partner in crime, Poison Ivy, after leaving her ex-boyfriend, the Joker. The show premiered on the DC Universe streaming service on November 29th, 2019, and stars Kaylee Kuko, Lake Bell, Alan Tudyk, Tony Hale, Ron Funches, Jason Alexander, and JB Smoove, alongside a ridiculous list of supporting cast members and guest voices. Season 1 of Harley Quinn contains 13 episodes, each coming in at around 23 minutes and took us approximately 5 hours to watch. We should also note that we were able to watch Season 1 on Amazon Prime in Australia, but while Season 2 has released on HBO Max in the US in 2020, we don't know when it will be available in Oz. So, Damask, before mm-hmm. we get to our review of Harley Quinn Season 1, I just wanted to ask, are you a fan of the DCEU, of the DC universe of comic book characters, heroes, villains, etc.? In particular, how familiar are you with the character of Harley Quinn? Um, so, I grew up watching um, the animated series, so Batman the Animated Series, which I loved as a kid. I haven't watched it. Have you watched it. all of it? Have you seen, like, most of it? or? I don't know. I was a kid. Ask her, man. Um I tried to enjoy the uh, movies that have come out recently. I didn't. Um, I, I even um, Nolan's Batman. I don't super love. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. like very serious um, superhero films. I just find it a bit dour and a bit boring. Sure. Um, I didn't like the Suicide Squad. I thought that was a mess, um, both just in the in the filmmaking as well as in the narrative. I thought it was a crime against humanity. Um, I Oscar-winning recently... <laughs> Suicide Squad, I might add, though. <laughs> That's true. Um, I recently watched Birds of Prey, which I actually thought was a lot of fun. Um, which I think is what I have found lacking in a lot of the other films coming from DC. So I enjoyed that for what it was. It wasn't a masterpiece, but it was a a whole lot of fun, which was good. Just something you can watch on a Saturday night and not have to think too much about. In terms of the um, character of Harley Quinn, I've got her little, this like Harley Quinn graphic novel. It's like a a collection of stories because when I found out um, that Birds of Prey was going to come out. I think it was – or it might have been Suicide Squad. Um, that's right, it was Suicide Squad because they were saying there was going to be more of like a Joker and Harley Quinn vibe to it than actually ended up in the film. Um, what so, was yeah. filmed and what was in the actually in the film in the end was different. Very yeah. different, yeah, yeah. So I got that and it was fine. I mean, it's it's 
very much focused on their unhealthy relationship with not a whole mm-hmm. lot of understanding as to what that means for those within it. Um, so it's just kind of surfacy, but a lot of the artwork was cool and stuff. But yeah, that's my experience of DC. Cool. I have read some of the comics, particularly some of the Batman stuff, the most famous ones, Batman Year One, The Killing Joke, uh, mm-hmm. A Long Halloween, I think is the name of one. Um, things like that. I've read bits and pieces here and there. I'm more probably into like the Vertigo sort of run of, they're not even DC spinoffs. They're just the other branch of the DC comic universe, the uh, the alternate fiction side of things. I was, I was more mm. into those. Um, in terms of like animated shows and stuff like that, I, I remember I have seen bits and pieces of Batman the Animated Series, but not because it, it's remembered so fondly and talked about mm. still as being this incredible piece of like Batman lore. Um, never, I haven't watched it religiously or gone back to it. I'd like to explore it again now that it's so well revered. Mm. Beyond that, like probably like Justice League shows or Superman shows here or there I've seen as well. I'm definitely familiar with that style of animation. Mm-hmm. Um, big fan of the Batman video games, particularly the Arkham series. I've played and platinumed all three Ooh, of yes. the yeah, Rocksteady ones games. of those, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, never played Arkham Origins, though. That was the one that Rocksteady didn't do. Um, what else was there? The Nolan films, big fan of the Nolan films. I love the Batman like um, movies back in the day, particularly I was a big fan of Batman Forever, actually. That was just the right time oh, to hit me. Yeah. I remember the McDonald's Great. glasses you could get, collector's glasses. I had I a, had mine had for so long. I had a two-faced one and then I – oh, we had another one as well. But, yeah, no, I, yeah. I had them for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So that one hit me hard. The Nolan Batman films are f- the first two I'm a big fan of. Rise, the Dark Knight Rises, not so much. Uh, in terms of the most recent stuff – haven't liked any of the Zack Snyder films whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Really loved Wonder Woman. Aside from a terrible like yeah, final like action two sequence. Thirds of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder Woman was very, very good. I'm excited Aquaman for the new enjoyable. Wonder Woman. Big time excited for, for Wonder Woman 1994. Mm-hmm. Um Suicide I finally Squad. watched Joker, by yeah. the way. Finally. I still haven't seen that. I still have not it's been fucking able to do it. <laughs> Is it? It's, it's so juvenile. It's yeah. but is pretending not to be. Like it's written by a very angry fourteen-year-old boy. Like it's. Sure. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix obviously is amazing in it. Um, it's not to say disparage anyone who is uh, performing in it, but sure, it's it's for children, but it's sure. not. Yeah. I will get to that because I'm fascinated to see it just to have seen it and say I've seen it and have an opinion mm-hmm. on it finally. Um, yeah, Suicide Squad, I remember seeing that, um, not liking it, but I didn't mind. I, I, I liked Margot Robbie in the role. I remember being excited mm-hmm. about the idea of Harley Quinn. So this is the thing. Even though I wasn't a fan of Batman the Animated Series per se, I'm familiar with Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that she originated from the Animated Series rather than the comic books, which has always fascinated me. And to see her sort of starting to break out into her own character has been fascinating to watch that shift in pop culture over the last sort of five or ten years or so. She, like, my niece was idolizing Harley Quinn there for a while, dressing up like her and, you know, wanting Harley... She wanted to see Suicide Squad because of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I am very interested in The Suicide Squad because James Gunn is directing it as well. But also, I haven't seen Birds of Prey yet. 
and mm. I, I, I'm going to watch it this week. I can rent it now. I'm going to watch it. It's a long-winded way of saying very mixed bag for me, DC stuff. I'm definitely more of a Marvel person overall. Um, mm-hmm. But the character of Harley Quinn is one that, is, that does interest me. Um, and uh, I'm definitely along for the ride for that one to see where they what they do with her as she grows in pop culture. So, to mask all that being said, can you please mm-hmm. give us your spoiler-free review of Harley Quinn Season 1? I would absolutely love to, Brod. Hmm. Harley Quinn season one is a wildly fun look at toxic relationships versus healthy ones. Do you choose the paramour that always leaves you empty and desperate for attention? Or do you settle into the safety of a reassuring and self-affirming friendship? Now, while this show is speaking to some serious and nuanced story arcs, it never stops being funny or fun. And you can feel the tremendous love the creators have for their cast of villains and heroes and the DC universe as a whole. Now, when you love something wholeheartedly, you can make fun of it in a way that those who don't can't. Poking fun at something you love is a way of saying, I see every part of you, even the most silly aspects, and I adore it all. It's a celebration of really knowing something, not despite all of its absurdity, but because of it. Taking something very, very, very seriously doesn't mean you care more about it than someone who is able to point out why it makes them smile. This show is funny. I laughed at least five times per episode, but it didn't take me out of the personal stakes for each character. It actually endeared me more to their plight. For example, I never thought I would want to give Bane a big hug, but here I am willing to die for the poor sad sack. Now, this show also has the type of relationship I love. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're talking about female friendship. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I love it. The relationship between Ivy and Harley is a complicated one, but as an audience, you never doubt the unconditional love behind it. You can be two very damaged people who haven't experienced a whole lot of valuable human connection, but that doesn't mean you can't find it in one another. Do I want them to kiss? Of course I do. I'm only human and I'll always hold out hope. But beyond that, this relationship shows the value of the chosen family we all try to build as adults and how having that support during difficult times is invaluable in dealing with it all. Harley and Ivy are the heart of the show and it is a big heart, one that propels the plot in a moving way. There are moments where I am heartbroken and on the edge of my seat at how our two heroines will overcome their own personal trauma together. Beyond Harley and Ivy, you have an assortment of bad guys that are simply the cutest. Harley's crew make no sense together and yet you want them to buy matching jackets and spend their afternoons crocheting a family quilt together. Dr. Psycho, for example, is the opposite of a character I would ever want to watch. And yet his terrible personality, which is the focus of many jokes, makes me want to watch his relationship with Harley grow even further than it does in season one. I love these guys. I want more. It's the type of show that is hard not to binge and that has you begging for the release of the next season. And I am very ready to dive into season two and cannot wait until it's released in Australia. I actually sent a tweet to uh, Prime Australia today being like, please, 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 are you getting it? And if so, when? I'm yet to get a response. All right, over to you, Brad. Okay. Harley Quinn, the series as a concept is kind of brilliant in that it makes so much sense. It's kind of crazy something like this wasn't done earlier. 
There are a huge swath of adult comic book slash superhero movie fans who grew up on Saturday morning cartoons like Batman the Animated Series who are a perfect audience for something like this. Superheroes dominate pop culture these days and are ripe for parody and deconstruction. It just needs to be one of the two big studios, Marvel or DC, to be brave enough to allow its characters to be represented like this. What's even more pleasing is this great premise for a show has been really well utilised. We've talked in recent weeks about the difficulty of mixing genres and tones in a satisfying way, but Harley Quinn is a great example of pulling off that balance. And only 13 episodes and 23 minutes each, 23 minutes each, including credits, season one is able to walk the tightrope of reference humor, crude humor, parody, character-driven drama, and explore complex themes and ideas like gender inequality. That takes a huge level of skill to pull off, and they do. I don't want to overpraise the show, though. I'm not completely in love with it, but it's hard not to be impressed by how successful it is overall and how it never forgets the fundamentals. Like Frank, um, Ivy's housemate, sort of loves the WNBA for its getting the fundamentals. You know, it's all about the mm-hmm. fundamentals of bounce yeah. passes. I agree about that with Harley Quinn. It gets the fundamentals right. The comedy is strong. Not laugh out loud every 30 seconds strong for me, but the jokes come so thick and fast that it's impossible not to be entertained. Humor-wise, it obviously helps to have some familiarity with the world and characters of the DC universe. And even though I'm more of a a Marvel fan than DC, uh, DC's roster of heroes and villains is so iconic that even lesser fans are going to have plenty to chuckle about. It manages to work on both an episodic and serialized structure as well in terms of the storytelling, with each episode feeling like a, a complete and contained thing, while also feel, feeding into a longer overarching narrative. It doesn't revolutionize the long or short form formats, but gets so many of the little moments very right along the way that it all adds up when it counts and really pays off towards the back end of the season. The art style is a deliberate nod towards 90s DC cartoons, and the voice performances are all great and what a cast it has, But for my eye, the actual moment-to-moment animation could be a little bit better. It was rough at times, though that may come in future seasons. To be fair, I have also been watching Avatar and Korra a lot lately, so I am a little bit spoiled when it comes to great animation. So that, you know, I might be a little bit unfair there. More than anything, though, I just want to celebrate the effort that has been made to examine and understand the interiority of these characters. This is a show that is deeply interested in the psychology of its cast to the point where two episodes literally take place inside characters' brains. Harley Quinn would be a perfectly serviceable entertainment slash distraction without going deep into its characters. By taking the time to examine what makes Quinn and Ivy tick, I'm just that more invested in their actions and outcomes. Sprinkle on a little bit of good old-fashioned heart and, well, you've got me hook, line and sinker. Harley Quinn Season 1 doesn't rank in my favourite comedy or animated shows list, but it is one of my favourite comic book slash superhero shows to date. Season 1 is rock solid from the foundations up, and I eagerly look forward to seeing how they build on that in Season 2. So, Damask, Mm -hmm. with all that said, how would you score Season 1 of Harley Quinn out of 5 stars? Well, this has been one of, if not the most enjoyable TV experiences I've had all year. Mm. Um, I loved it. It's got all the elements that make me fall in love with the show. One big element in particular is the idea of chosen family, which I really attach to. I loved it. Loved it. I can't tell you how much I loved it. I'm giving it five stars. Whoa. Yeah. Five stars. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're making me, I I want to give it a, my initial thought is 3.5. I've thought about giving it a four. (laughs) I've thought about giving it a four. Maybe I should give it a four. Give it whatever you want to give it. 
can I give it a high 3.5? Like it's edging on excellence for me. It's I mean, it's close. Okay, yeah, that's fine. You can you, I, it's it's your journey, bro. You go on. You go down any path you want to even if it's the wrong one. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5. I really really liked it though, and I think mm-hmm. most people will will really really enjoy Harley Quinn. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys hunting seasons to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way. And to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. We would also love you to share hunting seasons with friends and family who you think might also enjoy listening. Next week, we'll be back with an episode of Off Topic Hot Topic, but the week after that, we'll be back with our review of Pose Season 1. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of Pose, if you have a topical discussion for Off Topic Hot Topic, or if you have any thoughts on Harley Quinn, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at huntingscast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Harley Quinn Season 1. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 of Harley Quinn. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Harley Quinn up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Okay, so I feel like we have to start with the most important thing, which is the Harley and Ivy friendship. 
which sure I fell in love with very quickly. I mean, right off the bat, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I loved it. I mean, I loved when kind of two opposites find value in one another so you know you got harley who's explosive and impulsive and then you got ivy who's very balanced and reserved and yet they find a connection with one another what what did you think about that relationship well yeah i guess i was fascinated by the fact because i haven't read any of the comics but i know there is harley and ivy stuff in the comic series and that Mm. didn't start that way right like it starts in the original anime tv series it's just harley and the joker and that's the way they've been that's why they've been for a very very long time it's only recently we've really start to see them sort of change that uh, trajectory for harley and Mm. then especially to pair up with ivy but i've aside from knowing that exists i didn't know what sort of the angle on that was and the more i think about the more i realize i didn't really know anything about poison ivy aside from she had the like the love pheromones and controlled Mm. plants right Beautiful Particularly trial. Uma Thurman's version from mm. um, Batman Robin. Absolutely. That was probably the most... And that was the thing with Bane as well, even just to be off track for a second. Bane for me for a long time was the version of Bane from uh, Batman and Robin as well. So when we got that other version in The Dark Knight Rises, it was such a different take on Bane. It was unrecognizable mm-hmm. to me. So in terms of how they've used them in this, yes, the very, very impulsive and hyperactive Harley Quinn versus this very loner... Uh, reserved version of Poison Ivy makes a whole lot of sense to me. It is it is interesting just from a character point of view with Poison Ivy now, if we're talking about how like we're re-examining Harley Quinn through the lens of, well, this is actually a very, very toxic, abusive relationship, right? Mm. And it's great that we're able to sort of look at that now and go, we should re-examine this and discuss this because it's not cool, right? Mm-hmm. And then on the Poison Ivy side of things, she really is kind of just like an eco-activist in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. She actually yeah, I love got her, some good points. She's kind her of constant fighting. point of like, I'm not really a bad guy. I'm trying to save the planet, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> which is true. Yeah, it is true. And like our perspective on her goals are very, very different these days mm-hmm. compared to where they were when I first was introduced to the character. So it's fun just to have those two sort of not misunderstood, re-understood, I guess, sort of villains mm-hmm. be put together. And then, yeah, that dynamic, there's those opposites. Um, meshing and working together as they do, where they complement each other's flaws and and strengths. Uh, I mean, it's just compelling. And that was one of the things for me in general. I just thought the the basics of the character drama are so strong Mm. in this show that Harley and Ivy stuff throughout, from the start where Ivy's trying to trying to show Harley just how Mm. toxic her relationship with the Joker is, and how like that is not a Flick a switch that gets flicked with Harley, right? Like, mm-hmm. is a multi-step process where she relapses more than once along the way with yeah, the Joker which as I, well. Which I love because, you know, there yes. is... And it's it's such a recognisable dynamic, I think, when you have a friend or you are the person in a crappy relationship and you have a friend who's like, oh, God, like, get out of it or helps you get out of it or helps you see perhaps a side that you... Don't allow yourself to see. And then, you know, because while it's never your fault to be in a toxic relationship, there is something within yourself that tells you that you deserve that kind of treatment. And so that yeah. part of you is not for, is not suddenly fulfilled now that you're out of the relationship. That, that stuff is still there. And so naturally, of course, when you're in a particularly insecure place, you know, you revert back to that thing that 
reaffirms your low opinion of yourself and so yeah and and to be the friend on the other side as well like that is how it feels like you get to the point where you're like well what's even the point of doing this if like you know if you don't love yourself and you're not helping yourself there's really only so much I can do which I just thought like it was a really honest portrayal of a friendship in a lot of ways but certainly that way as well yeah, the frustration that Ivy gets to where it's just like, I've tried so hard with you and you just keep self-sabotaging. At some point, mm-hmm. I need to like just move away myself. It's not worth that effort. And then so often with these things, with a relationship like that, where there is that drama or tension between the two, it can then start to rely on convenience to sort of to to push that further or to make it last. And the mm-hmm. closest it got to in this season is the bit where the guard Gus I think it was who was watching over Ivy when she was um, held captive by the, by Scarecrow like mm-hmm. did the text and sent it to Ivy sent it to Harley sorry on behalf of Ivy mm. and Harley got that but it didn't last past the episode in fact they never had like a moment it was just enough to keep Harley in Brooklyn with her parents yeah. to have that story play out and then it was resolved once Frank showed up and explained what was going on and we moved on past that mm-hmm. and it was like it was all very organic and it all sort of of yeah, it just unfolded perfectly. And so like, we talk about this idea of someone, you know, needs to get over a bad boyfriend and the other person's trying to help and see that they're really their friend. That's not groundbreaking stuff. That's a story we've seen a million times in a million things from mm-hmm. teen shows upwards, right? But when you do it right, it is so effective and so compelling mm-hmm. and they obviously know these characters well enough to make it work so well. It's like I just full, full, top marks for that, I think. Mm. Absolutely. Anything else you want to say about Harley and Ivy? Uh, I ship them. Like, yeah. <laughs> you want it to happen. So often. I mean, there's, I can't remember what episode it is, but the, and they, it's obviously on purpose when I think Harley or one of them falls on top of the other. Mm. And you're just like, you're, I think everyone's brain just screams, kiss. Um, and of course, there's like an acknowledgement of like they could, but then they don't. And I, what I really appreciate, well, yes, my heart of hearts wants them to be together and, like, I just want to watch, you know, five hours next season of just them smooching. Um, I understand that for the story that they've created, Harley doesn't need another partner. She mm-hmm. needs a support network and friendship. Like, that is what she needs. And so beyond, like, my kind of femme-slashy fanfic mind working in hyperdrive during this season – I never really wanted that because it wouldn't be um, a true arc for Harley. It wouldn't be yeah. um, what that character needs in that moment. Um, so I, I was, The last thing that character needs is to attach themselves to another yes, one right now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, particularly someone, and I think, you know, Ivy is right, but someone who thinks she knows what's best mm-hmm. for Harley. Like Harley needs to discover that herself that's the journey um but i yeah no i i genuinely did appreciate that that work has been done so if you know in the future a relationship does develop fingers crossed it'll be because in that moment that's what both those characters both need and want so it's more definitely organic um so no i i i loved the friendship i mean it's just always nice to see two women who genuinely care about each other and understand one another's struggle. Like you spoke about mm-hmm. in your spoiler-free review about, um, you know, they were discussing gender issues, particularly about, you know, in the workplace and stuff. Like these two women 
are in the same field and have experienced a lot of the same shit and can share with one another in that and be honest with one another about their experiences, which I also loved. One of the things I loved really early on they did with with Harley in particular, and then they reaffirmed it later with Poison Ivy, was that Harley Quinn is a very smart person. She's a Mm -hmm. doctor. She always has been. That's always been part of her character. But that gets lost in the story where she was, like, thrown to acid by the Joker and and becomes, Mm -hmm. you know, a henchman, basically, a sidekick to him. And so to remind us that, like, she is very like intelligent but also understands psychology and understands these things about other people and can use that as a tool with herself is really important. And then at the end of the season when Poison Ivy is thought to be dead and they're burying her and they're doing the gravestone and they add mm-hmm. the doctor on and it's like mm. oh fuck yeah she was a doctor as well. these are very <laughs> very intelligent like re- not just intelligent but like really um successful women in their fields to a degree mm-hmm. until they became supervillains or whatever but like they were doing things they these were they were achieve uh, women who were you know had these fields of excellence or whatever and it's like you then put that into the characters as well and you let them be intelligent and smart and, and all those sorts of things as well. I don't know. It just like it just gave them some power back, I kept thinking. Mm-hmm. And then talking about things like how there seem to be no women in the Legion of Doom and then what happens when a woman character did mm. sort of rise up and the f- that idea of the Queen of Fables, who's a character I'm not familiar with at all, no, but either. finding out that that idea that they gave her this cruel and unusual punishment and mm. put her into the US tax code is something that Justice League actually did for canon for reals in the comic books. It's fucking mm. crazy. And yeah. Yeah, I, not- I love – it made me really think about an aspect that I hadn't because I didn't know about the Queen of Fables, but this idea of – you know, time and time again, villains, you know, super villains are put in Arkham and then obviously they get out because they need to or whatever. And yeah, this this woman who was supremely powerful was mm-hmm. punished in a way that many of the super villains that we know um, just, just simply aren't. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective. It was it was interesting as well though. Like to be fair, there are villains that are as powerful as the Queen of like most of the, the villains that get sent to Arkham don't have superpowers. Do you know mm. what I mean? They're normally like mobster types. Yeah. Basically, like the Joker, like um or even Mr. Freeze who has powers, but you take away his cryotech stuff and he's got nothing on him at the time. It's not like it's innately in him. Mm. Um so so villains who do have innate superpowers, like Zod or like I don't know, Dark Seed or Side or whatever it is, they tend to be dealt with in other ways too. Like, they go to that Phantom that powerful, Zone place. Exactly, that sort of mm. stuff, right? Like, they don't get sent to Arkham. Arkham mm. is for the low-level, like, Gotham thug type uh, and mobster type bad guys. So that's a different thing anyway. But but then you do look at just the way that in the Batman roster of supervillains at least, you know, you do have Penguin, you do have Two-Face, you do have Riddler, you do have... The, they all seem to have henchmen, they all seem to have, like, lairs or whatever. Mm. But... Poison Ivy always seems to work alone and Harley Quinn is an underling and Catwoman is a loner as well. And it's like they don't get to have, you know, goons the same way that yeah. because all the men, men seem to have for some men reason. Men will never follow women, bro. Exactly. They never follow women. Yeah. Can I, I tell you? Yeah, go on, go on. Oh, I was just going to say I love that this is such a successful like superhero slash supervillain TV show. Um, about characters who are women, mm-hmm. 
when so much toxicity has been around gender stuff with comic books and the kind of gatekeeping that exists within fandom kind of being marked here in the story of League of Doom and how, you know, those guys are just kind of inept assholes a lot of the time. Like there's nothing special about them but simply kind of because they're not one of the boys, they're just not allowed in no matter how valid, you know, they are in that world. Like it's, yeah, I, I, and I love that it's so good. Like it's not, it's, you know, with things like, Wonder Woman, which I really, really liked, but mm-hmm. like we said, that last act is pretty atrocious. You know, that's not as beloved or sacred as Batman is or Superman is. You've got the way that just the well, language used. It took that used- long to get a Wonder Woman film, right? Like that yeah, was and- how many superhero and Batman films had there been? She's part of the Trinity apparently. Mm. And we'd had a Green Lantern film. Before we had a Wonder <laughs> yeah. Woman film, like yeah. for real, like that's that was yeah. the way she was treated. She was not yeah. used and, properly, you know, with Suicide Squad and then Birds of Prey. Just the, the simply like the language used about that character. Um, well, you know, people can say they love Harley Quinn a lot when you really dig under the surface and ask them why. A lot of it is mm. sexual in nature, <laughs> objectifying in nature, you know, things like that, and. So finally, like I, I, I had a similar thing when I watched Birds of Prey, but this is actually Harley Quinn is really fucking good, and it's just satisfying to sit back and watch and be like, "Fuck yeah!" Like this is the best DC thing I have seen, and it just yeah. happens to be about women. So it's not, you know, it's not that women or female centric stories can't be as good, if not better. They just simply haven't had the opportunity to do it, and now they haven't fucking killed it. It's great. I wonder as well whether the the thing about Birds of Prey, I think, right, the problem with something like Birds of Prey is you go, okay, cool, we've got Harley Quinn, we know she's hot right now, we're going to turn her into this series, we're going to you know get her surrounded by other female superheroes and villains and make a movie. And mm. then if people don't go and see it and they'll come with a million reasons and excuses not to see it, even if it's yeah. good, all of a sudden it's like, oh, that, that didn't work, let's not do that again, right? It plummets. Mm-hmm. When you do the TV show and it's given that opportunity every week to keep being in people's minds and build an audience and build an audience, and from what I understand, it's audiences building rather than going down in mm-hmm. that show, then it really has this ability to change the way that you see those characters long term as well. It has a more... Yeah. I'm not saying there's a right or way. Like, doing Birds of Prey was the wrong move. I'm glad that movie exists. I'm looking forward to seeing it. But I do wonder whether this show is going to have a bigger effect on it, on the legacy of Harley Quinn and I, and Poison Ivy because of that. I'm kind of excited for that. I think it that. will. I yeah, yeah, I absolutely think it will. Because and, Birds yeah. of Prey is really fun, but it's not – you don't have a – I guess actually you do somewhat have a deeper understanding of Harley and they do a good job of that. But, yeah, like you just said perfectly, this – gives us so much more time to spend with those characters and get to know them in different circumstances. Like with Birds of Prey, it's, you know, a two-hour film or whatever and it's like, you know, there's an objective and it's a whole shit ton of action and then, you know, the ladies go home. Whereas this one, you know, we see Harley just hanging out at home with Ivy. We see her interacting with her friends, with her family. Like there's just there's more there. We have access to more, which I think is going to be so important. 
I think the thing that helps as well is that while the characters might be cartoony, which is a weird thing to say about something that's already a comic book, you know, has been mm. animated shows or whatever, these these can be hyper versions of these characters that we know. And I don't just mean Harley and Ivy here. I mean Clayface and I mean mm-hmm. the Joker and I mean Bane and all those characters, right? They are all are still very true to what makes the characters what they are. So they feel... Mm like authentic representations, even if they are through a slightly different lens or whatever. Um, I think that gives the show... Like, I love that they can make so much fun of Jim Gordon and they Mm -hmm. can make fun of Batman and Robin and they can make fun of Bane. And yet it still feels true to the the essence of the characters. It gives it some... Yeah, well, it's... I think credibility it's placed, to the show. Yeah, it's placed in a loving appreciation. Yeah. So it's not yeah. simply making fun of. It comes from a level of awareness of how all of these moving parts fit together and why that makes it so fun and so great. So like like I was speaking about in my spoiler-free review, like these people clearly love the DC universe and are very invested in it um, and know a lot about it and – but they understand, you know, the innate absurdity of superheroes and supervillains and, you know, these huge personalities and these mm. people who live, you know, their internal complexities, internal struggles are only ever dealt with through external storytelling. So that's a crazy world to live in. And they're just kind of embellishing that even further with so much humor and clearly so much love, which is nice. I wonder if there are Joker fans out there who feel like Joker was treated unfairly in this show. Which, because I get, like, because he is made out to be such a bad guy and, like, Harley has to overcome him, even though he's a villain, right, he is so Mm. popular as a character. I wonder if there are people who feel shitty that he is such a villain in this. I I just wonder. Like, when he is represented as being, like, this... As Being opposed so to in toxic. Batman, like, that, but that's mean? what I mean, though, right? That's what I mean. He's mm. popular because of this duality. He's popular because of his relationship with Batman. So when you kind of minimize that and then mm. just look at him and how he treats the other people around him mm. and make that the focus on the character for a while, which is fucking fascinating, I think is so great. I wonder if there are people who feel a little bit like, that's not the Joker. The Joker's not about how he treats Harley Quinn. It's about him being the opposite of Batman or yeah, about being I, I guess Agent of Chaos or something. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Is like, you know, if you identify with the Joker or think he's really cool, exactly. um, then, you know, you can look at it and be like, oh, yeah, and the Joker's awesome because he's like just kicking this fucking rich kid jock's ass every week like you know and he's yeah he's like subverting and blah blah blah, all this stuff but then when you look at his actual toxic behavior in terms of a personal relationship and how what you've loved about him in a battle against a superhero or a hero like batman i should say Mm. but then like so that kind of personality that can do that then goes home and how is he treating the people around him when you actually have to examine that behavior? I'm sure there are people out there that don't want to do that, that don't really want to look at it um, because they can't live out their kind of, I don't know, fucking loser fantasy that they want to, I don't know, but that's a lot of judgment about about, About taking on the system, about like just... You know, like being an agent of chaos about pushing back against the establishment or mm. whatever you want to decide that Batman represents. And like, there are great criticisms of Batman. The idea that like mm, he's just beating totally. up criminals instead of dealing with the actual like societal problems that make Gotham so, mm. such a place full of criminality. Like, there's the criticisms there. But does that mean that the opposite of that is in- inherently better? No. And this is mm. exactly why. And let's look at that too. It's very, very cool. The show exists. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of that. 
just for Agreed. that much. Yeah. Uh, what else did you want to talk about? One thing I really appreciate, and I didn't notice it at first, but you spoke to a little bit in your spoiler-free review, but when I was going back through my notes is that I love how in episodes like one through four, it does such a great, great job of setting up the world and the tone in which we're going to be receiving that world. You know, you've got things mm-hmm. like penguins, his his son's bar mitzvah. We've got Nephew's that, bar mitzvah. Sorry, nephew's Nephew bar mitzvah. Um, we've got the talk show with Robin, which is clearly a play on the Wendy Williams show, which I found mm-hmm. very funny. Um, there's like the ridiculousness of Maxie Zeus and obviously calling Dr. Psycho, calling Wonder Woman a cunt and... That's one of the funniest fucking intros to a character ever. <laughs> like that, just the reaction from everybody. Mm-hmm. Like he's in this life or death fight with Wonder Woman and calls her a cunt and everyone's <laughs> just like, no, no, that's 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 a line too far. Yeah, which Fuck, then moves hilarious. us into the idea that like, you know, the League of Doom is just like kind of any other corporation as well. So we have like this wonderful understanding. And while there is progress, like we have – Harley initially leaving Joker and dealing with all of that and wanting to, you know, be impressive so that she gets that external validation from a different source. So we have those elements, but really like those one through four is really just this incredible world building until we get to episode five, which then like hits you with that, the emotional depths that we're going to get for the rest of the season. I mean, that episode five, I was so excited when it started. Um, But what I really... Um, amazed by is that in those first four episodes generally I'm not a huge fan of like really episodic kind of tv I find it like particularly because we have to binge it you're like oh come on let's let's keep it moving keep it moving I didn't feel that at all because the world they built was so fun which led me to episode five that made me go oh oh my god this show is going to have so much heart and some so many interesting elements to it that I can enjoy whether an episode is purely just fun and hijinks or something that's going to hit me really hard. I want to come back to episode five. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the strength of this show is the is that balance. Or one of the strengths of the show, because that's a lot. Is that balance between yeah doing the episodic and making an episode feel like a complete whole. You could just, if you happen to come across it on TV, you could in, see the start of it, follow it to the end. You would have a satisfying, you've enjoyed that show. You might want to watch another one, right? But also that there, it is a complete story, I would say. If, if it only got one season, you would, I think, feel fairly um, satisfied that you got a lot out of that for the character of Harley. Mm-hmm. She has a complete arc. But also, I thought that like getting into the League of the Legion of Doom might have been end of season stuff. Sorry, is it and Legion? Ha- Legion of Doom. Yeah, it's the sorry, Justice I was League saying and League. the Legion of Doom. Sorry, sorry. I, get I apologize. It, I, I wrote it down wrong multiple times. To all those nerds at home going, you fucking idiot, I apologize. <laughs> I have not respected your space. I'm so sorry. So Go when on, the God. Avengers showed up, right, and like, no, the <laughs> – the, yeah, the, the fact that, that she gets into the Legion of Doom like midway through the season was like, I was like, oh, this show's not fucking around. This show has mm-hmm. places to go. It has, mm-hmm. it's not going to draw this out over multiple seasons or anything like that. This was mm-hmm. her goal now because she's dealing with the Joker things is where she needs to be to get to that next step when she realized she doesn't need to be in the Legion of Doom and she just needs her crew or whatever, right? Like, I just, I just loved that they were confident enough in this show to do that. I, that's the that's the thing that's fascinating to me as well. As far as I can tell, 
The three main writers and producers of this show are man. It's a yes. show that is centered around two shocked. female characters and does a very good job of it. That's not to say there aren't women on the right on the in the writers' yeah, room. They are. definitely are, yeah. but like they did a, they did a really good job with all of that. I thought, and also from what I've understand these have not been hyper successful writers either they haven't mm. like shit my dad said didn't last more than a season or two i don't think on tv i they've thought it was cancelled during its first season but it I could may be have been yeah. yeah and then they've all dabbled like i think one of the three wrote for a lot of like season four of arrest development which is not an incredible season like no. you know these are people who have sort of been thereabouts but not quite able to thrive yet and then they just must have found the right project that suits all their sensibilities and all their knowledge base, whatever it is. And like, mm. I have a plan. We have a plan of how this is going to work out. And they execute on it brilliantly. It's really yeah. good. Agreed. Like, yeah, when I found out that it was predominantly like written and created by men, I was like, what? But I don't mind because it's, it's a good story and it's well told. And I mm-hmm. think uh, emotionally true and accurate to the experience of women. So whether they're, you know, highly emotionally intelligent men or if they spoke to women about their experiences, I don't know. But they, what, however they did the work, they did the work and created a cool story. So I don't mind that at all. And Totally. They absolutely nailed it, yeah. I do want to come back to episode five. Mm-hmm. Um just talk about it now if you want. Oh, you got something else to say? Yeah, that's what, that's mm-hmm. what, that's what, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Is in terms of just what, like, if it was just these that episode of Harley Quinn, I think it would have been worth your time to watch this show. Mm-hmm. The idea of allowing this character to, like, reclaim their own origin story mm-hmm. is so powerful once we as a society move past or get to a stage where we can look back at how this character created they, you know, they were popular because they were enjoyable, fun character in the settings they were put in. But you look at it now and go, this is kind of wrong. This mm. doesn't work anymore. This is problematic. We need to do something better with it. And to be able to, in the actual story and then metatextually say, this is no longer this character's origin. The character's origin, they become Harley Quinn, mm. their own self, once they leave the Joker on their own yeah. terms. That is that that means a lot, and mm-hmm. to be able to to do an episode all about that inside Harley Quinn's head, and have her be able to make that choice, fucking, I love, I loved that. Yeah, loved me too. It. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely loved that episode as well for all of the reasons that you just described, and I think what I also love that it did was yes, give her that power back, which is so cool. But it also kind of informed her character like when I was looking back on the decisions that or lack of decisions she had made in the past or her inability to make the right decisions. And I think when in your past you have made a decision that has, read, you know, looking back on it, you realise was the wrong one. And it was a profoundly wrong choice for her to make, um, just for herself, that then that kind of degrades your ability to trust yourself in the future. Like sure. you're really starting at that point from scratch. Like, well, I don't, I, I don't feel safe making decisions because I can't trust myself to look after myself. And that's a big 
hurdle to get over. So I love the the clarity that she gets in that. Yeah. And I, do, I, I don't think it's like the, the magical key to unlock self-worth or, or anything like that. It's, you know, the first step is understanding where, you know, certain, not flaws, but certain aspects of who we are that can hinder us in living happy lives. It's important to recognize those moments and help that understanding inform future decisions. And so like I watched that and I was like, oh, of course, like she's done the thing she's done and has completely attached herself to someone because if you're alone and you don't know how to make any kind of decision or you don't feel safe to make any type of decision, that's really scary. So you would never want to be alone. So you would go from Joker, you would go straight to Ivy and she, you know, it's, it's her first step on this journey towards independence, which I loved. Like this episode I thought was one, a lot of fun, just simply mm-hmm. the, the visuals like the, of going the young in. young Harley's like <laughs> villainous Harley monsters were great. The deus ex Frankie Muniz was beautiful. <laughs> like I almost forgot about that, yeah. When, you know, King Shark is like, you know, this is a perfect situation. I can't believe it for you to have a giant shark friend and here we are. Um, what an amazing happenstance. Uh, it's like elements like that. So all the way you're laughing, but it's emotionally resonant and, yeah, it's it's a beautiful balance. And But as you were saying that, and I agree with everything you said, the that that in some shows would have just been the moment and then mm-hmm. that person was like fixed. That's right? it. Like, oh, yeah. That's fixed that fixed them now. That's not a problem anymore. We can move on to something else we want to do. Cause we don't, we don't want to spend all our time concentrating on that thing, even if it is the most interesting part about them. Mm. Um yeah, that's still not it though. Because we still get into the Legion. She's still obsessed with mm-hmm. trying to get in the Legion of Doom that she needs yeah. to prove herself to the Joker. Then to get there and to get kudos and to get acknowledgement from him in a way that she's always wanted, mm-hmm. even if he is a toxic piece of shit, and then to have to go through that exact same moment mm. that happens in the opening of episode one. Yeah. I love, I loved, I loved, I loved when she's falling oh, from the, the helicopter. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then Batman comes in to save her. And simply says, some things never change, Quinn. And I was just mm. like, because just that Batman was, I don't I know, know, was so emotionally present in that moment. I understood yeah. what that meant for Harley somehow. Actually, I just, like, yeah. That, that wasn't what I- really well. Yeah. That wasn't the moment I thought you were going to describe. But when she's falling and she has the realization and then she yes. just like curls up. Yeah. Mid-air yeah. is so heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, her- emotional journey is you know it get, got me really you know i'm feeling a lot feeling a lot over here sure. from this very silly like gr- grossly bloody violent s- stupid show but it it managed it manages to do that but yeah i think in every interaction we see with harley as we progress through the season and they're not always these big dramatic moments, but we get to see those, those small changes and the natural regressions. Like when her and Ivy have their breakup for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. um, she, you know, she still 
can't be alone. Like everyone's left her. And, you know, she's meant to be this big badass with big plans. She goes home <laughs> because she can't. She cannot be alone. She needs people to be around her for validation, to tell her what to do. And that's another interesting element we get is her relationship with her dad. And we have a yeah. flashback of a moment when, you know, he told her what to do and she didn't want to do it, but she did it. Um, and yes, there was an element of sacrifice for, you know, the greater good, if you will, because he was going to be harmed. But ultimately, it was a very controlling relationship. And I think it's really important to see the origins of that as well. It wasn't this yeah, one where guy that, that she met. That vulnerability yeah. comes from initially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like I, yeah, I thought that was good. I didn't love that episode overall. I thought... Mm-hmm. I think where it ends up is really good, but I was sort of kind of like, uh, this isn't working for me mm-hmm. as well as there other is a, things have. There is a disconnect in that episode. That, yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with you there, yeah. But the the overall importance of the episode, the information we get from that, what we learn about Harley and knowing mm-hmm. just a little bit about her backstory like that, yeah, it, it's very, very valuable for yeah. what it is. And I also uh, love how quickly they'll just like blow a grandma's head up, which I didn't sure, see I coming. <laughs> Just horrific. <laughs> um, That's one just... aggressive form of brain cancer. <laughs> it's very, very funny. Um, but yeah, no, oh, that's another thing I was yeah gonna say when we were talking about the toxicity of the Joker relationship and all of that. Is that yeah? I think people do forget that toxic relationships are intoxicating. Right? They mm. they they are alluring in their own very specific way. And I like that this show doesn't discount just how intoxicating they are, but doesn't glorify them like every other, almost every other story has when it comes to Harley Quinn and the Joker. Thank God for that. Mind you, it is interesting that like that those I went back and watched the first two episodes again because I didn't initially take notes for them because I actually started watching it before we decided we we're going to review it. Mm-hmm. So I went back and watched the first two episodes again today, and like there's discussion about Harley's like, well, you know, if I'm not dating the Joker, who am I going to date? Some you know guy who says he's a beer nerd or whatever, and like some <laughs> boring guy like mm. this sort of thing. And Ivy's like, listen, that was just one guy when I was in university. There weren't very many to choose from, sort of thing. But that is the type that Ivy tends to go for as well. She seems to end up with very safe boyfriends as well, mm-hmm. like kind of bland and not all that remarkable, even if there are maybe more interesting people around her that, that she might be interested in. I, I That duality yeah, I think if both with, is good. If you're Ivy and the constant fear is being left and abandoned, and really that comes down to the unpredictability and how you can't control people ultimately. Like there's a real fear around that. And so you choose people who will never surprise you, who will never outthink you or outmaneuver you in any way. Mm -hmm. And so you've always got the upper hand. Like that is her, that is like her stuff that she needs to work out. And don't get me wrong, I love Kite Man and I think he's a beautiful boyfriend, even though he's dumb as a rock. Um, but, But yeah, like that is a vice of hers to... Always go with the, the the safe and predictable, even if it's mm-hmm. probably not the most engaging or enriching relationship, which is why I find the fact that Ivy loves Harley so much because she's not that. She's incredibly unpredictable and yet she is so invested and cares so deeply 
for her, which is a huge risk. And we see that obviously when we go eventually into Ivy's brain as well. But yeah, and like the entire time she's not part of the crew, right? Ivy's just there (laughs) helping to facilitate Harley's dreams, but not a part of it directly, even though she always gets roped into it. It's it's just so well managed. It's like, as we talk about all these things, I think the Harley-Ivy stuff, which is the heart, the center, the crux Mm -hmm. of this show, is super, super strong. Mm -hmm. I do want to talk about just like why I gave it three and a half stars when I'm absolutely absolutely praising it. I think ultimately it just comes down to... Um, sometimes the stuff around it wasn't necessarily pulling me from one episode to the next. An example mm-hmm. of that would be that, like, Clayface is is leaned upon a lot for humour that I don't necessarily think is all that great. It's a very one-note character to have the dramatic actor type, right? It's been done a million times, and they keep leaning into that a lot. And I love mm-hmm. Alan Tudyk. I think he's a great you know, does a great version of the Joker here. And I think he's doing a good enough job with Clayface. It's just, it's overused a little bit. Um, I think like the it, only times it bothered, and I hear what you're saying and I can see why people would have a problem with that. But the times that it really bothered me was that he seems to not be able to control it as a plot device for things to yeah. happen. Which And that's when it bothered me. I was like, well, that's just annoying <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah, because if you know that he can't control himself, then you probably wouldn't put him right there in such a contentious mm. situation. Yeah, I, and it's not even—it's not even that it necessarily bothered me. It's like it's not that it mm. got on my nerves necessarily or irritated me. It just was like it wasn't bringing the laughs, therefore it wasn't doing mm. its job for me. And then yeah. if I look at the crew in general, I like the idea of the crew in mm-hmm. general. I think the idea of chosen family, this band of misfits and stuff works fine. I just don't think the any anybody else in that crew outside of Harley and Ivy gets even close to being as interesting as those two are. And listen, mm-hmm. that's not what the, it's necessarily doing, but there's yeah. still a huge emphasis on those. Mm. And so if you can't make me care about them that much, and then if they're not bringing the lulls the way that they you're designing mm. them to, then it just ends up falling a little bit flat. It's not bad. It's In fact, I laugh enough that I'm still entertained. Mm. I guess it just... It's just, I just think it's season one. I just think it's like one of those things that like yeah. when you're... And it's the same with the animation. When I talk about the animation just being a little bit like, eh. Like there was a bit watching the third last episode, I think it is, where they're on the Harley Quinn Highway, which is a great payoff for an ongoing joke in yeah. the season as well. <laughs> it is. But like yeah. some of the stuff that's happening there, the way the cars don't really take damage or collide and just sort of look... I, I don't know. It's just sort of like it wasn't really visually dynamic. The first episode is very good, but pilots are often like that, where they get all this budget, prove to me that you can make this show, they put their heart and soul into it to bring it to life, and then you get later down the production schedule and you have to start cutting corners, and it just doesn't quite... They haven't figured it all out yet. They don't exactly know exactly where to put their resources yet. And so I imagine that's something, because there's ambition in the action, it just doesn't always come together in the animation, and I think... That could happen in season two. It's just mm. season one, and that's yeah. like it's it's not it's not a huge criticism. I'm still giving it three yeah. and a half, I th- high yeah. three and a half. I think there's it's certainly a bit rough in time, m- much more room for growth within the kind of the cruise dynamic. I yeah. I completely agree with you there. I did find it for the most part all of all of them individually quite funny. I really did enjoy them. Um, 
Psy, not so much. He had moments and particularly when he becomes a Transformer is the most horrific but funny thing. That um, moment was great. Yeah. That was awful but very funny. Um, but I, I did grow to love them for their loyalty to one another, uh, which I really appreciated. And when we get to that end point where – you know, Harley doesn't say, I think Frank says it, but she meant to being like, oh, no, it's it's for Ivy. And they're like, oh, for Ivy, absolutely, sure, let's go, which I love because Ivy for so long has kept them at arm's length. It's like, no. Um, so, like, moments like that really did, you know, they, they hit me in the way that they were meant to. But, I yeah, I agree with you. There's so much more there to mine. And just to do it, just give it a bit more nuance and a bit more complication mm. and to, to have each character fully realised. Yeah, there's yeah, I I don't disagree. Anything else you want to talk about in spoilers before we get to final mm. thoughts? So I'm I think I'm done pretty much. Yeah, no, I think that's all my points. Yeah, it is. Cool. You can't deny just how strong that. I didn't want to say it outright, having like just call out upload again, but like. If you just if you just don't do the work with the characters, we get nowhere. There's no point. Yeah. <laughs> There's no point. And they did the fucking work in this show. Mm. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes, Damask? I've got a few just here and there. Um, I love Harley Quinn. Almost at every point she can just... Loves to make fun of Batman for fucking bats, which mm-hmm. just made me laugh a whole lot. Um, when we first kind of introduced to the Legion of Doom, as I'm well as done. I'm hearing now that it's called, um, just like the you know the villains by the water cooler, the introduction to kind of Bane's like really kind of depressed intensity, which I liked. Whereas like Scarecrow just kind of wanted to gossip about the latest breakup. Um, I did the- think that, like, this could be its own television show. It probably yeah, wouldn't be a great be. television show, but you could make a television show about, like, the Legion of Doom, at- Doom as a I corporate there- headquarters. There is, like, a TV show that's like that. Is it like the Venture Brothers or something yeah. like that or one of those yeah, shows? That's, yeah, that's I, think you- I think that show exists. Yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just love the idea of the bar mitzvah and the pretend heist. All of that just as they're sitting in this function um, – just the absurdity of that situation. The sure. entire episode, at every point I was giggling with joy. I just thought it was so much fun. Um, I'll blow up Gotham Stadium. <laughs> Beautiful vein impression. Um, okay. I also love the the kind of resolution. What are we doing here? When he, when he, sorry, sorry. When, he take, when Joker takes, he's like, oh, my chicken's rubbery. And then he's like, oh, yours looks good. And he takes it. And then Bane goes to eat the chicken. He's like, no, I might eat later. It's just the, like... <laughs> What what what's happening here? Just whatever it, I just, <laughs> just like very good confusion. Uh, yeah, the resolution for the the big story in that episode with Ivy, and she's just has to kiss all those teenage yeah. boys. To which she's just like, "This is purely procedural." She just needed to <laughs> <laughs> say that. Um, when in episode three, when Harley, I think is it. No, I think it's Ivy is fighting that. Not he's not Thor. <laughs> that guy, I don't know. Maxi Zeus is what we're talking about. Yeah, talking that about? guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and the insult is 
see a urologist because creepy dick wasn't just an insult. It was a concern. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so very much, very much enjoy it. I also, I already mentioned the, the Deus Ex Machina, Frankie Muniz, which mm-hmm. was beautiful. I also loved that once she's had that realization about Joker, like before then it's like her gallery is almost completely Joker related. And then after that, you see beautiful portraits of her and Ivy, which just, yeah. Oh, made my heart swell so much. Details like um, that go a long, long, long way. Yeah, they do. Um, mm. I just enjoyed the visual of when the squad rock up to that plant where they're holding Ivy and they hit the goons and they put on the suits and they're all so terribly ill-fitting. Just the visual, mm-hmm. particularly Cy when he's got it. <laughs> Over his wheelchair is just, it's so dumb. The, the wheel spinning so- <laughs> somehow still in the suit is very, very odd. Uh, it's okay. it's so, so stupid. Um, yeah, li- little moments. Yeah, I've, I've got a bunch, but the, no, you, go, it's go your for turn. It. I think that's good. Like, we're talking about the humor. If you've got more, please do, because I've got a bunch of moments as well I want to talk about. Um, when I've, I've really just got one more, it's when Clayface sees the big bad wolf in the grandma costume and he goes, wait a minute, that's no grandmother, <laughs> which <laughs> made me laugh a lot. Mm. But then didn't, right. didn't he turn into like a, a grandfather to yeah, try Jewish and like. Yeah, Jewish grandpa. Yeah. And then, yeah, but it's like, first of all, that's not actually a woman. That's a wolf <laughs> pretending to be a grandmother. And second, why did you make him Jewish? And he's like, I was going for it, going yeah. for something. I took I a know. swing. Yeah. I took a swing. That was it. Yeah. Uh, we already talked about this, but the introduction to Dr. Psycho, whatever it is, oh, that with the Wonder Woman call him a, calling him a cunt is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I just love when they when Robin shows up when they're trying to like get Batman to be Harley's nemesis and Robin shows up and that amazing baby voice that he's got that just sort of sells how pathetic it is to have Robin as your arch nemesis. Well, it's, it's the brilliant. boy from Room. It is the boy from Room. Yeah. I did see that as well, which is a great name. movie. He's so cute. If you ever want to cry in a plane, watch Room while you're flying to oh, the US God. or wherever it was going. Um, might have been New Zealand, actually. Uh, King Shark. Harley, thank you for letting me use my brains for once. Most people don't let, let me be who I am and then instantly bites the head off a guard after that. <laughs> when the Queen of Fables uses the three little pigs to eat the bodies to dispose of the bodies oh of that my family God. pig. That was traumatic. That, that was whole like- scene is fucked <laughs> up. I mean, I love how far they go with the Queen of yeah. Fables. Yeah. Just to show um, how that clear line, the delineation of like, oh God, that's what that's, an actual yeah, okay, got it. And mm. that's the name of the episode, I think, as well as like the line or whatever. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we introduced to Aquaman after they do a heist, you know, under the ocean somewhere, and then he comes up and he makes some your mum joke, and then just like puts his hand out, and a dolphin comes up and gives him yeah. a high five. I just <laughs> love that mm-hmm. little moment. So this is a place to get creative feedback on ideas. Exactly. We've modelled it on the way they do things at Pixar. The idea that the Legion of Doom is modelled on Pixar. They laugh a lot. <laughs> anyway, I think Zach Braff is alive, just not working. It was a conversation that Harley and the Joker were having. That Have you noticed well. that a lot of shows just shit all over Zach Braff? <laughs> well, I don't hate it. it. Like- I don't hate it. The best one being um, how he actually did die in BoJack Horseman. Mm, yes. Um, and that gets referenced a couple of times, but that was also Zach Braff doing that role, so whatever. Yeah, it was. Uh, so he is working. Oh, God. Yeah, true. Oh, God, it was just a kid. Ivy, after she, like, cuts one of those 
like monster trees in half and sees the rings and realizes <laughs> he was. <laughs> and then finally, the Joker asking Bruce Wayne where his electric car is that he put a deposit down for because Bruce Wayne, <laughs> Wayne Enterprises, mm-hmm. obviously very like Elon Musk esque. Um, and just that, that was like. The having the reveal of Bruce Wayne is always a big thing, and then Scarecrow and Joker find out, and Joker just being like, "It was this guy," and he gets mm-hmm. annoyed about his electric car. That was great. Yeah. Um, favorite voice guest stars. Um, Who do we have? Diedrich Diedrich Bader, who play, who's Oswald from the Drew Carey Show. He played Batman. Um, yeah. Giancarlo Esposito, Gus from Breaking Bad, as Lex Luthor. Perfect mm-hmm. casting for Lex yeah, Luthor. Yeah, that's great. Uh, um, Wayne Knight as Penguin mm-hmm. is excellent. Uh, Christopher Maloney is Commissioner Gordon. Now, Christopher Maloney, who's from, uh, was it Law and Order SVU, I think, right? Mm-hmm. That oh, he's is, in he, a bunch of stuff. Sure, that's why. I'm, oh, he's in um, Happy as well, isn't he? He's in that he show is. Happy with, yes. yes. So, I haven't and seen him outside of- Wet Hot American his, Summer and stuff. Right. So, I've yeah. only really seen or know him from his procedural cop drama stuff. Right. So, to see him playing this unhinged version of- uh, Jim Gordon was was really enjoyable. He plays Jim- quite an unhinged character in Wet Hot American Summer as well, and he does. I think he does in Happy as well. If I think job, about yeah. it, sure. Uh, Jim Rash as the Riddler and Frankie Muniz as himself. Oh, Least I just fa- sorry. Yes, sorry, I just yes. <laughs> just what Clayface's hand when just yes. the way he says evidence, evidence, <laughs> and then do you, do you know who was doing the voice of Clayface's hand? No, who. I can't remember his name, but it's the guy who does the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, oh, anyway, oh yeah. yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can hear that. <laughs> uh, least favorite and favorite episode. What was your least favorite episode, Damask? Just let me scroll up. Um, it is actually it's episode eleven. It's Harley Quinn Highway. Now mm-hmm. I don't actually have, I suppose, a least favorite because I really did enjoy el- el- most elements in every episode. I think because. I loved episode five so much and the going in to Harley Quinn's brain. Um, I think like I was quite aware of like Ivy's fear at, at that point. Um, Mm -hmm. It was just like, it was the same thing again, but wasn't as effective. And so because I had like, I knew we were going back to like a similar format, my expectations were so high and it just wasn't as good, particularly with like, Frank, you know, constantly coming in and interrupting and stuff. It just wasn't, didn't have that flow. It wasn't like, oh yes, this is this is so cool and what an amazing. Wasn't way as to use inspired the as the first yes, one was. Exactly. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say my least favorite episode was episode ten, Bensonhurst, which is where Harley goes back mm-hmm. to her parents' place in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, I just don't think the episode for whatever reason wasn't really working for me until the turn when the assassin shows up mm. and then the dad. Then Harley kills the assassin and the dad shoots Harley and you realise just how far he's willing to go, how much he really doesn't give a shit about his daughter. Mm. Um, and then that relationship, how it informs about Harley, is great. Mm-hmm. When it really did seem like, and maybe I was just being naive that there wasn't going to be a twist on that, but it did seem like there was going to be some bread bridges sort of mended here. I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not really feeling this on any level at this stage. Yeah. And then even the stuff, like, it was really like... Um, base sort of like mafia like even though they were making fun of how mafia stereotypes are stereotypes it kind of mm-hmm. just still wasn't as inspired i didn't think the mm-hmm. harley stuff that was happening at the same time with gus wasn't doing a hell of a lot for me um i don't know it was just like a i mean ivy it got, it, 
Ivy, sorry, Ivy yeah. stuff, where she was with Gus when she was being held. Yeah, I did appreciate that yeah. he was like, it was his second job. Like, I appreciated that. He was a kindergarten teacher. He had to take a sure. call. All that, like, all that kind of stuff. I, I quite enjoyed that character. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I agree. Like, yeah, there, there, there is, like I said earlier, there is a disconnect in that episode. It's not quite as, yeah, fluid as perhaps it should be. Favourite episode, Damask? Well, I think we've spoken a lot about it. It's episode five. Um, I was immediately, when I realised what was happening, excited by the premise. I remember being like, oh, my God, is this going to be a bottle episode? Oh, my God. Um, yeah, just the emotional journey we go on. Um, it's As well as, like, I found it was really good to build bonds between the crew. Um, so. Yeah, so it, it quite a few ways I think it really elevated the show and made me see quite clearly all of the different things it could do at the same time, yeah. I, I think, yeah, the the value of having an episode like that for, for Harley, not just about Harley Quinn, but for the character of Harley mm. Quinn, it's just mm-hmm. to give her, because I think you said earlier, it's like you gave her power back. It's like, in a way, it's the first time she's ever been given power mm. at all. She's it's always been second like, fiddle. It, introspection which is such an yeah. important tool that we all need to have yeah and then like just i i yeah we've already talked about it at length but i love i love 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 that i would do that with it and then even the stuff that was going outside while sai is not my favorite character in the show the mm. idea that he comes in and like they're all wearing the suicide squad t-shirts is like ah oh, another suicide pact <laughs> you know whatever i thought it was really really well up joke that's so in universe you have to like it only works if you understand that just that little bit of uh, um pop culture knowledge Predictions, hopes, and concerns for the future of Harley Quinn for season two, Damask. Do you have any? I mean, I hope it's released in Australia soon because I'm just oh, I'm so ready to watch it. Um, I'm really I'm, worried it's going to be another 12 months. I'm really worried. Fuck. If we can rent it, I'm happy to like rent it, do whatever we can just sure. to do it. Um, See if we can find it. Yeah. So I hope that they continue to develop Harley and Ivy individually as well as in that relationship. I'd love to see, like you were talking about earlier, more from the other guys in the crew. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if they want to add in some Harley-Ivy smooches along the way, I'm okay with that as long as it's, you know, is for the purpose of the story and not for fan service, although I don't like that word a whole lot. Um, I, I don't know. I don't really have many concerns because... My expectations, were, I think, were quite measured and they just, mm-hmm. f- like, far oh. surpassed them. Like, I just couldn't believe how much, like, how enjoyable it was for me to watch this show. It was like... I brought it to you. That's the thing. Like, I was like, mm. oh, I watched this show. I think you'll like it, Damask. Like, yeah. female friendship. And I'd, you seen, I'd seen people talking about it on Twitter and I, like, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid, I, like... Batman, the animated series. I think I tried to watch a little bit of it as an adult and it was fine. But I think if you don't already love it or you already love those characters. Sure. I mean, it's not quite to the level of TV that I now expect, um, mm-hmm. particularly when in terms of like really getting to know a character. Like it, it didn't, from what I saw, which wasn't a lot of it, wasn't really doing it for me. So I was like, oh, it's just going to be like another DC animated show like that. But it was right up my alley like it it was exactly what i wanted and thank you thank you thank you yes you talking about the batman the animated series though it's just a truth that stuff that you know is fundamental that has informed stuff that comes after it Mm -hmm. if you weren't there at ground zero it can be hard to go back to we've learned Mm -hmm. that 
yeah. doing this show. It can be hard. Yeah, um, no, it's not so- like it's not a critique of that show. It's just mm. as, you know, going back and trying to watch it my expectations for TV now. And just like as an adult, I know what I want out of story and it didn't give me that, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. One of the things I loved in terms of going forward into season two, and I, I have been spoiled a little bit on season oh, two. No. I'm aware of some of the stuff. So I'm not going to talk about any expectations story-wise, but things I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. When the Joker introduced, at the very end of the of the season, introduced mm-hmm. the idea, this acid will make you mundane <gasps> yes. again, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, I hope the Joker falls in there because that would be a very cool thing to do yeah. for that character. Take yeah. away the thing that he's made him iconic mm-hmm. for so long. Yeah. And then they did it. And you mm-hmm. get to see the hand go from white to like mm-hmm. normal skin tone. And I love and I like, like the laugh that's cool. changes, which I thought was yes. really cool. Mm. I was like, that's cool because that's that's something we can explore. It's not an origin story, which has been mm-hmm. done in things like Killing Joke and stuff like that. And like, it's always debated what the Joker's real origins are. It's like, what happens if the Joker just, whatever made him the Joker stops working mm-hmm. and he's no longer if, the Joker like, anymore? What I find interesting is like, what if in this universe that they've created, the Joker just doesn't exist? Like if he's just a yeah. normal guy going off and we, no one knows his identity, he just disappears. It gives so much more space for everyone else in the world, particularly Harley. And the thing about comic books as well, right? Someone dies, yeah, they're dead until they decide they don't want to be dead anymore. Whereas mm-hmm. this, if we thought the Joker was dead, they can bring him back whatever way they want to. This way, it's like what the Joker was saying he was going to do for Harley. Maybe the Harley just doesn't even have to think about the Joker ever again in this mm-hmm. show. Maybe yeah. he is just sort of like erased from mm-hmm. existence. And it allows Harley Quinn to go, now what? Now what's Harley without the Joker? If that's what it is, if if as much as I'm interested in the idea of what a post-Joker Joker looks like, post-Harley Joker is far more interesting to me. If that's yes. what they do, perfect. Mm-hmm. The other thing I really love, at the end of this season, the Justice League have been um, entrapped in a book. The Legion of Doom uh, has been destroyed. Gotham City has been destroyed. Mm. Status quo is no longer quo. Yeah. And that is something that you never see in comic books either. Like, uh, there are events and stuff here and mm. there, but now I, uh, being able to just luxuriate and like, what if these things don't exist anymore? Yeah. And like, now spend that some Gotham's time there is very gone, fun. I wonder if it's just gonna like next season's just like a road trip movie. Could be a road trip. Could they be trying to rebuild America. Gotham City. Mm. Could be a power vacuum. I think um, mm-hmm. in in what is left of Gotham. Could be they go to Metropolis. We don't know. Uh, but that was exciting. It's like, well, next season has to be different again. And mm. that is very, very, very cool. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas, Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordes, on Twitter at bgordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at Maskimu, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Though, be warned, I don't really have Twitter anymore. I just go on to look at The Bachelor tweets. So, there you go. <laughs> um, I do want to remind everyone, we're going to have a, a little bit of a segment after the end, after the end credits music, whatever you want to call it, the outro music's done. We're going to come back with Paul Mitzi of the Swapcast podcast, his defense of Upload Season 1 after we tore it to shreds last week. Next there episode. There is no defense. There is no defense, Broad, but good luck gonna, to him. We're going to find out. <laughs> Next week will be an episode of Off Topic Hot Topic. Um, we just need a bit of a break. I think doing that every three or four episodes is a good idea for us. 
good for our sanity at this time. Victoria's still in stage four lockdown. Two more weeks to go. Uh, and then we're going to do a review of Pose Season 1. Very much looking forward to that. Woo-hoo. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good night, everybody. Last week, we completely ripped Upload Season 1, a new one. Paul Mitzi, friend of the show, unofficial third chair of Hunting Seasons, recommended this. Uh, I personally took it as an insult. <laughs> An affront to what we do here at Hunting Seasons. <laughs> everything that Hunting Seasons represents. That's right. Not quite true. But I did want to give him the opportunity to just state his case for Upload because I do think it was a little unfair. Like I we, don't. Whether it was unfair or not, we really, really... <laughs> uh, we know people that we respect their opinions. Yes. And I want to hear Paul's opinion on And Upload. we love Paul. We love having Paul on we the love show. Paul. He's great. He'll be back one day. One day. (laughs) Hey, Brod and Damask. It's Paul from the Swapcast podcast here. And I guess I have to record a defense of Upload after you absolutely tore it apart last week. Now, I want to start by saying that it was a genuine recommendation. I was not expecting you guys to hate it as much as you did for all the people that thought that I was doing this as a cruel joke it was not the case I don't think that I can do a defense that will change your opinion it's pretty clear that you guys hated the show and there's nothing that's going to change that I just want to give a bit of context of what I enjoyed about it I really like the world building I thought that the uses of technology and the way that the future was presented felt like an extension of where we're going today and an exaggeration of all the kind of awful things that technology has brought into our lives as well as some of the cool things as well and i guess that's the the thing i like about sci-fi and dystopian sci-fi is you know when you can feel like I see the appeal of this and I understand why humans would do this to themselves. A prime example of this uh, subplot that you guys didn't mention on the show is is Nora's experience on the dating apps of the future and how everybody has to give each other star ratings after they have sex with each other and the people that she meets on the dating websites that have no concept of how to act in a relationship because their entire existence is filtered through these dating apps. And as someone who's been on dating apps for the last few years, I can say that, you know, this is the future that we're heading in. Um, And I just felt like all those little details actually felt pretty true to life. Um, Yes, of course, there were things that felt a bit goofy and felt a bit off, but I think the broad strokes of the concepts in this show felt very true and very real as an as an extension of where we are today and our relationships with technology. One thing that I really appreciated about the show was the central romance. I know you guys hated the main characters, but I actually found them both to be quite charming, especially um, the female lead, Nora. I thought she was a delight and I really was rooting for them to get together. Now, I know I host 
a show with a segment where we judge people by their appearance. And, you know, yes, that may be a bit superficial. And yes, these main characters were both incredibly attractive. But I thought the performances were very charming and I was rooting for them. So I really appreciated that. I know you guys didn't like how scattershot the genre blending was in this show. Like it was a murder mystery. It was a romance. It was a sci-fi. I love that. I love the fact that every episode I didn't know what I was in for. It could have gone anywhere and it could have focused on any of these aspects. Yes, some weren't as fleshed out as others, but... I don't know. I feel like this show is just getting going and like it gave me enough nuggets of all those little storylines that I am really keen to see where it's going in the next season. I know you guys hated the humor in this show and didn't find it funny. Humor subjective. I found it quite funny. I laughed most episodes. It's just one of those cases that I guess we have to agree to disagree, though you guys will probably just agree to hate me for recommending this show to you but I really hope that some people are curious enough to give this show a go and do enjoy it I I know I've recommended this to friends who have enjoyed it so I know I'm not the only one really hope you give me another chance on recommending another show one day (laughs) though I know it's probably going to be a while after this anyway thanks for letting me put my two cents in looking forward to hearing what you have to say about Harley Quinn a show I hope we agree on all right thanks guys so what'd you think Damask what'd you think uh got any thoughts on Paul's defense of upload season one um in terms of world building I mean I love a really well-crafted world as well. But as he was saying that, I just like, you know, you can be in a beautifully painted room with intricate details, but if you're sleeping on a bed of shit, it doesn't really matter. And I think like what's in the world is so truly terrible. <laughs> no, I'm just being mean now. Um, but also mean but true. I mean there's <laughs> – What's within the world? We're not we're not very good at being diplomatic, I might <laughs> just say. We're terrible at that. I've never been good at it. Um yeah, so that was my thought about that. Um but one thing I thought when he was speaking about, you know, the thing with the dating app and how, you know, because of this rating system, because that's really the only way that people date in the future they don't know how to. And, you know, I think that's great. I think Paul, just in the simple way that he said that, gave that kind of idea much more substance than the show did. Um, But also, and, you know, Paul said, you know, I've been on dating apps for so long. Like, you know, I, I really responded to it. And I think, you know, that is clear to me when he says that he thought the main characters were charming. Paul, you're choosing the wrong people. Um, if you want to give me access to your accounts, I think I could find someone better because I don't know what you see in them. I would be horrified if what you found charming in those people is what you're looking for in a partner because it's, there's nothing there, my friend. There's nothing there. Um, what did you think? 
Brad. Um, I mean, I want to I agree with him on a couple of things that you said there. Like, he, I, I think we said this in our, thing, in our initial mm. diatribe as well. I agree that the ideas are there. The ideas of the yes. show are actually quite strong. 100%. And, like, the idea of, like, looking at this technology and how it's evolved over the past, like, 15 or so years, mm-hmm. I definitely think there's stuff there. It all comes down to execution for me. And I just don't think the show executed well on those ideas. While the ideas might be there, ultimately it just came down to, and whether that, on a script level, on a direction level, on even just a development of the ideas level, I don't think they took them where they need to be to make them work in this show. So, yeah, I agree. Like, the dating app stuff is interesting. You know, there is something to be mined there. The show just didn't really do the work to make it interesting beyond that. Um I cannot agree for a second about Nora and Nate. <laughs> Just can't. So I'm not going to approach that one. And I agree with him when he's saying, like, he was excited by the blend of genres. And I mean, talking about mm. Harley Quinn, I, I address this a little bit as well. A show can be many different things. A show can be mm. this, like, parody, um, like, Harley Quinn. It's like, it's like a parody at times, depending on what the episode's trying to be. It's like a, a, a takedown or, like, a deconstruction of superheroes and supervillains, all that sort of stuff. It is also very, very heartfelt and works in that way on a basic drama level. And it's a, like ultra gross out comedy because it's meant to be absurd because it's different to what you normally see in this type of DC animated show sort of thing. Like it does multi-level stuff, but just is very Mm -hmm. much better at making all of that work together. And so I think a show can be a sci-fi romance um, murder mystery. mystery. I just Mm -hmm. think it, and Damas put this beautifully, I think in the original podcast if you can't blend it all together cohesively, then it falls apart. And it just start. It just for me, it, it failed at doing those things well. So the genres were not the problem. It was mm. more: could you make those? Could you actually execute on those genres well, and then blend them together well? And that's where the show failed for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. The humor. Uh, as we've been saying for three or four episodes now, I think the last month has been, apart from Devs, has been all about comedy. Yeah. And yes, of course, it's it's um, subjective. Subjective. There's nothing mm-hmm. we can do about that. But I will give him this. If this the show getting off to a rocky start, this is something else we said in the podcast. Greg Daniels shows have a habit of having a really sucky season one. Yeah. Parks and Rec and The Office both have really awful season ones. Mm-hmm. It is definitely possible and has a track record where maybe things get substantially better in future seasons, season two, season That's three. That's true, yeah. If Upload does do that, if it somehow turns this all around and finds its feet and becomes a great show in season two or three, I will not eat my hat because I like my hat, but I will consider watching the show again. I'll, I would love to have Paul on if we ever got around to do it if to it maybe reviewing season two. Great, I'll do a happy dance. Okay. Um, I won't eat my hat I'll because I don't have I'll bake a hat one, and eat it. <laughs> oh, everything's a cake now. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, if it gets really good, I'm I'm down. I don't want things to be bad, but no. I will make fun of them if they are. And that's just my mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else you want to say on that? Paul, I forgive you. We'll have you back on the podcast soon. We look forward to uh, having you back on Hunting Seasons. Thank you for recording and sending us your defence of the terrible <laughs> Upload Season 1. But I also love that we gave you the space to do a defence and then came back at you again. Like I, That's the when, way it works in debates, isn't it? When Brod <laughs> asked him to record that, I didn't realise that we were going to listen to it and then talk about it on the podcast. I thought you were just going to put his beautiful defence on at the end. I didn't mean... But there you go. Yeah, fuck you, Paul. There you go. 